1: Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson. And today's episode is about... Well, today's episode touches on acquisition, but also production. And I'll explain in a minute as to why it's bridging both. As you'll remember, in the main triangle of what it is that a law firm business must do, we got to do three things. One, acquire new clients. We call that acquisition. We got to produce the results that we promised to those clients. We call that production. And we got to achieve the business and professional results for you, the owner. And that is what makes the triangle. And so today's episode is really about people, about me, about you, about your clients, about your prospects, about your employees, about candidates. It's about networking. And my guest today is Jason Levin. He's the author of Relationships to Infinity, and he's also the founder of Ready, Set, Launch. And today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Relationships are Key. And again, I'm pleased to introduce my guest, Jason Levin, again, the author of Relationships to Infinity and founder of Ready, Set, Launch. Jason believes in the power of authentic relationships to transform careers. Based in Washington, D.C., he's the founder of Ready, Set, Launch, LLC, where he is an in-demand career and business development coach. He's a speaker, he's a trainer, and he brings all this from a broad career uh, in brand management at Unilever. Um, which is, if you don't know Unilever, they own every product in the world. And uh, he's also been a consultant at Accenture, and he's done law firm branding sales at vault.com. He's been helping his clients land jobs, get promotions, transition into retirement, and build professional services practices for over 11 years. He's got a lifelong interest about keeping in touch which is why he wrote the book, Relationships to Infinity. We're going to be talking about that. Um, he's been on the board um, of the capital chapter of the Legal Marketing Association. He writes on business development um, and career management for Above the Law. Jason, is, like I mentioned before, he's in Washington, D.C. He's married to, as he describes it, I'm just making sure I'm putting these in his words, a lovely redheaded attorney, and they have two adorable redheaded sons. His words, not mine. Um, But uh, I think it's awesome. Uh, Jason has served as a programming chair, as I mentioned, of uh, the National Capital Local Steering Committee, of the Legal Marketing Association, and much more importantly, as far as I'm concerned, he's the assistant coach on his son's Little League baseball team. Um, So, Jason, with all of that, welcome to the Unbillable Hour.
0: Thank you, Chris. I appreciate
1: you. It's great to be here. So, according to your bio and what we just read, you started at Unilever, you worked at Vault.com, what made you jump out and start working with individuals and with companies on this idea about networking like what and and about career development and career coaching like what why did you make that shift
0: Well I think you can say that keeping in touch has been a lifelong interest it's been the running theme throughout my own career and it really started when I was in high school growing up in northern New Jersey and my dad was working in the Garment Center in Midtown Manhattan, in Yiddish, the schmatze business. And so I knew a lot about bathrobes and clothing. And when he lost the only job he ever had during the recession of eighty nine ninety, I wanted to know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to know why people got jobs and lost jobs. So, Chris, if we were friends in high school— I was talking to you about the articles I was reading in Forbes and Fortune and the Wall Street Journal. If we were friends in college, I was helping you with your internship search. If we were colleagues at Unilever, you were coming to me for career advice. Hmm. And when I was working at Vault, it was at that moment where I'm selling to uh, law firm professional development people and law firm career people and law firm partners uh, on all of Vault's services. And people started to come to me for career advice and business development advice. And so after running a remote sales team for three years at Vault, I said, you know what? I'm going to try to do something out on my own. And I started Ready, Set, Launch 11 years ago, and here I am. And just briefly, what, like, what is Ready, Set, Launch? Like, what, as a business, what does what its main thrust? Its main thrust is taking brand management principles I learned at Unilever. So I was on Dove lotions and creams. And so uh, Dove body washes, Dove soaps. And so I see my clients and my training sessions as the ability to help people with their purchase decisions. I see business development decisions and career decisions as purchase decisions. So Ready, Set, Launch has uh, a few pillars. One is uh, training and speaking, where I talk to, law firm partners associates larger groups on all the different aspects of business development Uh, there's a coaching element where i'm helping partners and associates with their business development needs and the third pillar is outplacement and transition when law firms uh, are ready to part ways with uh, their valuable talent when things are just not working out cool and like what i'd like to do is i mean i think these are really important and again A lot of what we talk
1: about on the Unbillable Hour is stuff that probably should have been taught in law school and wasn't. And this is certainly one of them. Um, And we've had a few shows about networking because I think it's one of the things that lawyers in particular just, (laughs) there's two kinds of lawyers (laughs) that I I find. One is those who hate networking. And that was me uh, during my, my years in practice. And two, those that love it I have no idea that they're doing it completely wrong. And, uh, and then there's, you know, this little microcosm of people who actually are good at it, like doing it and do it right. So before I get into the question about like, what is what are they doing wrong? Cause I want you to speak to that. I want to touch base on this book, relationships to infinity. You chose not only you're doing the, you're working with clients, but you chose to write a book called relationships to infinity. What, what drove you to do that?
0: Actually, when I went out on my own 10, 11 years ago, I wanted to write this book. Mm. And I told my wife, the first thing I'm going to do when I go out on my own, I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be called Relationships to Infinity. And when you start a practice, you don't have time to write a book because you're too busy getting clients. I think what changed about a year and a half ago is I saw what was happening in the world when we became hybrid, remote, whatever you want to call it. And people, including myself, we were feeling lonely. We were feeling the impact of this isolation that was out there. And all these questions around, well, how is it that we can connect and reconnect with people? Mm. So for me, I said, it's time. And I feel very lucky that actually a Bloomberg reporter, a radio journalist, reached out to me and said, listen, I just took a book class at Georgetown. I wrote a book. I think you have a book in you. Why don't you consider this class? And I signed up immediately. Oh, cool. And so I wrote a book through the Creators Institute. It took me a year. And I think the important thing in all of this is that regardless of your personality type, everybody has the capacity to connect and reconnect. And so the main title is Relationships to Infinity, but the subtitle is The Art and Science of Keeping in Touch. Yeah. And keeping in touch is so foundational. It's foundational for our personal relationships. It's foundational for our professional relationships. And so often when I'm talking with my attorney clients, I said, well, let's talk about keeping in touch. And what does that mean to you? And how do you connect and reconnect with the people that are in your world personally and professionally, and then they're drawn into, well, wait a minute, what is this keeping in touch? And all of a sudden, there's a whole other conversation that opens up. Yeah, because I mean, I remember you know you used to at least when I was younger. I, you know what? I don't hear people say it that. And now that I
1: think about it, now that you use those words like when I was younger, like when you would leave your family, you'd say say goodbye to your grandparents. Were you there for a holiday or for a celebration, or whatever? People would say, Hey, keep in touch. Right.
0: People don't even say that anymore. No. What's happened? Well, I think, so it was, one, it was one of those things where we said it, but we didn't mean it. Right. I know. I get that. Right. Yeah, like, right. Like, right. We'll so do we lunch. It, <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. Keep in touch. Let's do lunch. Which in American English, goodbye. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but we can't say goodbye. So we said, keep in touch. I don't think we say keep in touch anymore because of all this perceived digital connection. hmm so we see what's going on in people's lives via LinkedIn, via Facebook, via all these different social platforms. But the reality is, is we don't know what's going on in people's lives. We just yeah. see what people are posting. Yeah, we're, we're getting a very, very filtered view. Right. So the notion of keeping in touch in, in this digital age, I think is even heightened because we need to get back with the people that we already know, like, and trust.
1: Yeah. Why is it so hard? Why, are, why I mean, so yeah, the digital stuff made us think that, but that's got to mean to me that it actually released, released us to something that's more natural. Like why, why do we, because even before the pandemic, like you, we just said, you know, let's do lunch was bullshit. Right. Why don't we keep in touch?
0: What's so hard about it? So I think there's a couple of pillars. One is life itself. So mm-hmm you know, being the sandwich generation with aging parents, all the different life events that happen. So I think that we forget or don't prioritize it because of all these different life events. Then if you look at the academic research, there's a couple of things that I found which were really interesting. The first is in talking with the mental health community and looking at the social science around psychology, I coined the term, the Bermuda Keep in Touch Triangle. (laughs) And so why don't we keep in touch? It's in our minds. So just like in the Bermuda Triangle, planes and ships went to disappear, so do your intentions because of three very normal emotions, fear, worry, and guilt. Mm. And so they form a triangle to keep us from, oh, you know, I should get back in, so, in touch with so and so, but I feel so guilty. It's my fault. I didn't, I'm the one that let this go away. And then it leads into fear. Well, if I do reach out, they're never going to respond and it's not going to work out. And then the worry about, oh my God, well, I can't do this. And so people also don't reach out because of their own barriers that they create for themselves. And What's really interesting is that uh, Daniel Pink just came out with a new book. It's called Regrets, mm. The Power of Regrets. And he did a, a survey of 16,000 people and what their main regrets were. One that, and he put them in four categories. The one that showed up the most were connection regrets, losing touch with people.
1: Yeah. So it's That's, the triangle. That makes total sense. I am talking with Jason Levin. He's the author of Relationships to Infinity, Um, And he's the uh, founder and CEO of Ready, Set, Launch. We are going to take a break and listen to the sponsors who make this show possible. When we come back, I made an offhand remark that I want to follow up on talking about why that attorneys get networking wrong. I want to talk about that. And I've got more questions about this keeping in touch because I'm just fascinated. But uh, first, we'll hear from our sponsors. We're back with Jason Levin, um, and we've been talking about keeping in touch. But I'm going to shift gears just a little bit here. We're going to actually get back to keeping in touch just because I am personally fascinated, um, and I think the listeners will really enjoy more conversation on that. But I did throw away a comment that I want to touch touch back on, which is about networking and about, I said there were two kinds of attorneys, those who hate it and those who do it wrong. And that's probably a little bit harsh. But
0: what what do attorneys get wrong about networking, Jason? So one, what they associate it with. So Mm -hmm. first, when you you talk to attorneys about networking, here are the words that come out. Networking equals events. Networking equals social media. Networking equals transactions. So those are the top three types of words that come out. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to events, I'm an introvert. I'm a terrible networker because I'm not good at events. I don't understand social media, so I can't do that. And so there's a huge amount of self-sabotage in, you know, from law school onward. I mean, you were talking earlier about my lovely redheaded attorney wife. When I was in business school, she was in law school. And guess what? Law school is a very individual experience. You you read your books, you take your tests. And as she likes to call business school, it's a group hug. So Mm. we're all working in teams all the time. And my first year of business school, I was a section leader. And so we would throw parties. We had a very international cohort from Argentina to China. And so I used to say, well, let's do potluck dinners and everybody bring a, a food from your country. And I would bring my wife and she would actually get a little bit anxious. The the, the crowd was too large. Mm. So for me, I completely understand how attorneys can misunderstand what networking is really about for me, networking at its core is keeping in touch individually. If you do that, right, if you, and so if you focus on the people that you already know versus what classic networking says, Oh, you have to go run out and reach out to all these different types of people. If you actually isolate to the people you currently know, like, and trust, and use that as your, where do you begin? Then the joy starts because like, oh, I can reach out to people. I can, uh, yeah. I can connect with those people. Cause I already know them. And then you can, you can broaden out from there.
1: Yes. Cause I think one of the things you've hit on is quite honestly, I think at that stage of life when we're all, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of our college career. and We're thinking about postgraduate experiences. I get the feeling that more introverts gravitate towards law and more extroverts gravitate towards business because of the experiences that they're about to face. But it's, it's a cycle, right? It's these are the people that go there, and that's why the experiences are the way they are to some extent.
0: Right. But what the psychology and social science shows is that we all need interaction. Mm-hmm. What happens after that interaction where an introvert needs quiet to recharge, right. where an extrovert can just... You know, keep going and going and going. Yeah. But, you know, and I and I talk about this in the book through the profiles of the people that I interviewed, you can be an amazing keeper in toucher, one-on-one, and be an introvert. Because guess what? Introverts are better observers, mm-hmm. introverts are better listeners, introverts are better at human connection and actually having a conversation with someone. So dare I say. <laughs> Introverts are actually more prone to being better at keeping in touch than the extrovert. So in, in some
1: of the stuff you discuss, a concept called dormant ties, and I think I understand from what you just went through what that's going to be, but I want you to kind of touch on that. What, what, what do you mean by dormant ties
0: and why are they important? So dormant ties is part of a body of academic research called network theory. And network theory has existed to, since the 1960s. And so what a group of researchers did in 2011 was they took a, a group of executives, large group of executives, and they said, okay, we want you to share a business problem with a few people that you currently know, and then share that same business problem with a few people that you've lost touch with. And in the sample, they used having lost touch with someone, uh, for three years or more. Okay. And what came back was the ideas, insights, relationships, concepts were so much better from the people they had lost touch with. So then the researchers said, well, why? And what happens is, is people we lose touch with go on to do new jobs, learn new things, build new networks. So they provide better insights and advice. So dare I say to all the attorneys that are listening to this, Keeping in touch with people that you've lost touch with actually makes you smarter because the concept of dormant ties says that you can reach out to somebody that you've lost touch with and they're happy to hear from you. Three, five, 10, 15, 20 years. They're more than happy to hear from you. They're more than happy to help you. And they're also more likely to actually influence and give you a hand in something uh, personal, professionally related
1: it does make some intuitive sense. I mean, they're outside the circle of your, the people you're in touch with regularly are in your side, your circle of regular experience. So they're, they've seen a lot of what you've seen. They know a lot of what you know, but these people that you've lost touch with, yeah, they're, they're going to be out there with a different life experience and more able to do that. Plus have quite honestly, a little
0: bit of objective distance from your problem. Yeah. If you think about it, you know, you're an associate, somebody transitions out, goes to another firm, or they transition out and then they go in-house. There could be a partner that then retires. There could be a whole host of permutations and combinations of law school classmates doing different types of things. These are your dormant ties. And so it's one of the main reasons where the large law firms have alumni relations programs, because they recognize the value in staying connected with those dormant ties.
1: Yeah. I think that's a fantastic concept. This is Jason Levin and he's the author of Relationships to Infinity. We're talking about the concepts in his book, but also the stuff he's been teaching for really the past 11 years, but even longer as he helped colleagues uh, in business. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors here. And when we come back, Jason, I want to talk about, we've been talking about what it is to lose touch and why reconnecting dormant ties is so important. So we're going to get nitty gritty. What's the best thing an attorney could do when they've lost touch? But we'll do that when we come back. Welcome back. We're talking with Jason Levin, author of Relationships to Infinity, uh, founder of Ready, Set, Launch, LLC. And uh, we've been talking about losing touch, getting back in touch, about dormant ties, um, but really about, about the importance of networking. And Jason really is bringing, from my experience, a really unique perspective on networking. That you start with the with your closest ties, and it's not about going and meeting new people, new people, new people all the time. And I think that's really cool. Um, and what we were talking about in the last segment was we talked about why these dormant ties can be so important. But so, Jason, what I'd like to do now, you know, you've you written about this, you've been thinking about this a whole lot. You mentioned earlier that you know, one of the things that happens is this, uh, I think you call it the Bermuda Triangle of fear. I'm going to get it wrong, but it was like, let me see if I can get it. It was fear, guilt worry fear worry and guilt yes is that it yes that's keeping people from getting in touch with it, with folks so let's let's do some practical stuff what's the best thing an attorney or quite honestly any business owner
0: can do to reestablish these ties with people they've lost touch with what do they do so first you got to break your triangle uh, yeah. and by breaking the triangle is actually journaling journaling what is the most likely scenario that will happen if you reach out to this person And the more you actually write about, well, I'm going to probably email them or I might write them a letter or I might call them or whatever. And most likely scenario is, well, they might call me back or they might not. And at the end of the day, you know, nothing lost, nothing gained. So after you've broken the triangle, then it's really about consistency through time blocking. And so one of the biggest issues that, you know, when I'm working with associates or partners, it's like. Well, it's time, right? So either I'm originating or I'm billing, you know, where do I find the time? And so I usually have my attorneys at least 15 minutes a week reach back out to at least one person. This is where I think attorneys struggle. What do I say? And so the social science around nostalgia is actually quite important in all of this. So... You can actually, I call it professional nostalgia. You can actually share a professional memory. What do you like about them? You were listening to some music and you thought of them, or you just, you know, had a certain sandwich and you remember that you guys had talked about that. There are all these different things, both personal and professional. Oh, I was just on this case. It reminded me about what you taught me about X. Sharing professional memories is a wonderful use of time. And Dare I say you mix nostalgia with gratitude. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you thanked a mentor or a sponsor of yours? And when you think about what you know and why you know it, who's taught you to get there? Right. And so there are so many little things, easy things that you can do in your week to share gratitude, to show appreciation, to share a memory that allows for you to connect and reconnect with people as human beings.
1: And it's not that hard. Like, if you remember these, these folks, it shouldn't be that hard to bring up you know, something. I mean, I guess in the, since worry is part of your triangle,
0: like, what if I'm worried that they're not going to remember that or that that's not that important to them? Well, here's the wonderful thing. And I say this all the time, that appreciation is currency. Mm-hmm. We all want to be remembered. We all want to be remembered for something. Time and time again, I've used these strategies with, uh, with associates, with partners, with counsel, and they are, once they get into the habit of it, it's the habit that, it's, it's usually the first, the second outreach to a, a couple of people, and they start to realize, wow, that was actually fun. That was actually enjoyable, that I could connect with a former mentor or talk to a peer that's now uh, at a new place. Uh, they actually, not only does it help you professionally, but you actually feel inspired. It's it, connecting with people as I've come to realize through my research is also a good mental health strategy. Yeah. So
1: one of the things that kind of struck me is you early on said, like, one of the reasons we've lost touch is that we are looking at social media. We're reviewing all these feeds from all these people, some really connected to us, some really not. And somehow that tickles our got stayed in touch feelers a little bit or enough to think that we're doing something. And we're reaching out that same way. We're, we're posting this highly filtered view of our lives on there. But okay, so that that's part of the problem. But can LinkedIn or Facebook or other social media also be part of the solution? Is it a tool that we can use to do what you're talking about and not Use in the way that this has been blocking us from doing the right thing?
0: Absolutely, Chris. And Chris, I'm, I'm in the camp analog before digital. Mm. So if you have an analog goal that comes from your heart and your mind first, you're only as good as is what you feed the technology. So imagine if you went into LinkedIn, not to post, not to read, but you go on LinkedIn to connect. And mm-hmm. there's really two ways to do that. One, You know, the easy connect is like the two or the three minute you see someone post and you congratulate them on a job and that kind of thing. And you've like, that's a mini keep in touch. Yeah. But if you're looking for a more intentional, you know, I want to connect with somebody. What people ignore on the LinkedIn platform is the my network section. If you go into my network, you can actually sort your own first degree connections by city, by university and law school. Oh, wow. by, by where they're working. It is one big keep in touch party that <laughs> people are ignoring. Yeah, I I didn't even know you could do that. So there's a limit on the free version, to so like 30 searches, I think, uh, on a monthly basis. But if you finally get through your triangle, you start to identify people that you like, oh, what's so-and-so doing? You go into my network, and you actually look at your own first degree connections. That was the initial reason LinkedIn came in the first place, Mm -hmm. right Chris? And so you're talking to someone whose LinkedIn member number, back when LinkedIn had member numbers, my LinkedIn member number is 141,272. So I joined LinkedIn in January of 2004 and LinkedIn started in the summer of 2003. So LinkedIn at its base and at its core is about connection and reconnection. They've layered on all these other things, which are important, but if you're truly interested in getting back in touch, spend time in my network. Yeah, that's all. Is there any way we can find out what our number is? Now
1: I want to know. Like, I, <laughs> I probably joined around that same time. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, am, I,
0: am I a lower number than Jason? They used to have um, it in the URL. They used to be able to see it and I, I, every morning. I, my wife would, it's funny. I told my wife about LinkedIn. I told her about LinkedIn when I was in business school and she was in law school. And I was like, babe, there's this thing called LinkedIn. You got to try it. And she's like, I got to test. Leave me alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is awesome. So we're, we're coming up at the bottom of the show. And I want to make sure, because like, I, quite honestly, I'm motivated. I'm going to do something about getting back in touch with some folks. Um, And I think that some of the listeners, I hope a lot of the listeners are being motivated too. So what would you recommend as sort of a a first step or first couple of steps to implement a good keeping
0: in touch strategy? Like how to get started. So first and foremost, I say to everybody, start small. So pick three or five people that, you know, when you finish the sentence, I've been meaning to get back in touch with and write their names down. Okay. Okay. I want you then to start a file somewhere, whatever works for you. For some, it's the notes section in your phone. For some, it's an actual written pad. For others, and I recommend this a lot, is start an Excel file. Mm. Start an Excel file because, you know, too often we talk about contact management systems or CRM, like these big fancy terms, and we get all like, oh my God, what's that? Guess what? It out. The the output of that, when you need something, it goes to an Excel file. So just to open up an Excel file, first name, last name, email, phone, and then the field that I've been talking about, favorite memory. Nice. And so, so it's not about recording, oh, they have this many dogs and cats and what's the name of their wife and, and those kinds of things, which are our important connective tools. What I'm saying, and the social science backs this, What do you remember about the person what have they done for you what do they mean to you sharing specific memories is the most powerful thing we can do with one another
1: i think that's awesome that is a new way of thinking about it and it's true you know, like not for nothing my buddies in high school my buddies in college my buddies in law school my buddies in my in the first five years i spent at the da's office if they know my wife's name or they don't they know my kids names or they don't i don't know i don't know their wives names or kids probably but, yeah, if we can talk about that night we did this or that day that we learned this, you know, that we did the forensic analysis, whatever, that's more important for us because we, I did, I wasn't married then, right. um, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that's awesome. Unfortunately, we're also out of time. So I'm just going to say thank you. I really appreciate you being on the show, and uh, we hope, to, uh, hope this has inspired folks to do some more and to check out your book. In a second, so just be thinking about this, I'm going to ask you how folks can get in touch with you. Sure, Um, But unfortunately, that right now wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. So thank you all to our listeners for listening. Our guest today has been Jason Levin. He, again, is the author of, I'm going to say it slower this time, Relationships to Infinity, and he's the founder of Ready, Set, Launch, LLC. So Jason, we just banged this out in 30 minutes. Um, There's So much more I'd like to talk to you about. I bet the listeners would like to follow up with you or some of them would on some stuff. If they want to follow up with you, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you?
0: So people can find me on my website, which is readysetlaunch.net. My email is jason at readysetlaunch.net. They could also find me on LinkedIn. And Chris, I say to you, keep in touch. Yeah, you too. And we'll do lunch. Um. (laughs) All right, folks, this is Christopher T. Anderson.
1: And I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. And we will speak again soon. The views expressed
0: by the participants of this program are their own. And do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.